I'm going to tell you the title of what we're talking about today. Now, I don't know if you got a chance to see my bio talking about weaknesses and all those kind of things, and I'm going to touch that in a minute. But the title is, What Are You Praying For? What are you praying for? And the theme, if you want it in one sentence, is you can learn a lot about a person from looking at what they're primarily praying for. You can learn a lot about a person from what they're primarily praying for. And I'm in a few moments, I'm going to begin sharing with you how through my own prayer life, God taught me a lot about my own weaknesses through my own prayer life. Now let's begin. Just keep your list, keep your list. But I want you again to keep that in mind. You can learn a lot about a person from what they're primarily. Now the word I want you to use in the largest font possible in your mind is primarily praying for. Because there are some things that are lesser in our prayer life that we may be praying for. But primarily, that's what we're going to focus on. What are you praying for? So I ask you if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of 1 John. 1 John. And thank you, Lord, for reminding me of something. Turn to 1 John, and when you get there, say amen. And then we're going to kind of do a quick sideline that I almost forgot to do. Somebody said amen, so we'll wait. 1 John, we're going to begin at verse 1. 1 John, verse 1. Okay, you have it. Pretty much everybody has first John. Now, we heard our brother downstairs talking about witnessing and giving Bible studies. Amen. And he talked about there are various ways of witnessing. So as we prepare to begin in just a moment, I'm going to share with you again, like I said, from my own experience, one of the primary ways that I witness. And that's right here on the table. That's literature. Does anybody in the room share literature? Yes, yes, yes. So you enjoy sharing literature. So, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. So that's one of the things I primarily do. And I don't care where I speak. I always begin by asking first, is there a non-Adventist visitor in the congregation? I make sure we take the time to welcome them. And then the second thing I do is offer them literature from what I have. Then I ask, are there any Seventh-day Adventists? visitors that are from another church, and then I do the same for them, then the members. Folks, it's very important that we understand that God has given us counsel, and the more closely we follow the counsel, the more successful we will be. Amen, everybody? Amen. Amen. So what I do is I always share literature. It doesn't matter where I am. I don't really care. I, I don't care where I'm preaching, to whom, for whatever reason. So what I'm saying to you today, I always share literature. And some of you said you share literature. Do you have any? Does anybody have any? Anybody need any? Would you like some? Anyone? Here, you said you would like one. And I use primarily Bible readings for the home and all of the different books that Ellen White suggests that we have. Now, I'm going to share with you the importance of always carrying literature with you. Do we always carry literature? Yes. Yeah, pretty, pretty good. Yes. Because, and here's another Bible readings for the home. Would someone like this one? <laughs> yes. Here we go. Thank you. You're welcome. And also, I have something else I'm going to share with you. These are bookmarkers. They have our fundamental beliefs on them. And I take these and also share these with people. It's a good way to read through the marker yourself 
as well as sharing them with others. I buy them in packs. They're about $3 at the ABC, and I take them, and many times I'll give other Adventists the whole pack so that they can share with people. Does anybody have any of these? Nobody? Would you like one or some? Yes. Okay, here are the titles I have, and you can look at them and pick a couple that you want. Okay. Anything else you want? Okay. And anybody else raise their hand and say they wanted some? Yes. Just tell me whatever title you want. What I'm encouraging us to do, folks, is remember that God has counseled us. Want that one? You said you want one? Excuse me, sir, for stepping over you. To share <coughs> our stuff. Like what? Somebody who has read how we're, who said like the leaves of autumn? Yes, like the leaves of autumn. Absolutely. Anything else you want? Judgment, sanctification. Now I have 14 more in my room that I'm going to give out in the afternoon session. Any you want? That's on death. You want that one? Not that one. That one's on the sanctuary. Seal, the seal of God. Judgment, sanctification, hellfire. Did you want one, sister? Can I have the sanctuary? Yes, ma'am. Right there. Do you want another one? Yes, ma'am. I just grab any two. I don't care. Grab any two. Okay. Want that too? Did somebody else? You raised your hand, brother. Okay. Now, if somebody else wanted some and you didn't get any, did you want? I'll, I got some in, the, uh, at, in my room. I'll give you some. Just make sure you, okay. you remind me. Sure. But I want to encourage you folks. Take literature with you everywhere you go. These I give out as well. I spoke in Thompson, Georgia last Sabbath. Excuse me. And there were several visitors there. And I asked them at the beginning of the presentation, this is your first time coming to a Seventh-day Adventist church. You're probably wondering, wondering why we're here on a Saturday instead of a Sunday. So I said, if you want to know from the scriptures why, you can have these. And so hands went up all over the congregation. We may not be able to follow someone home, but we can put something in their hands. So anyone like these that maybe you want to share, you can have. Okay. Here. Just want one. How many do you want? One. Anybody else? Did you want? He wants one. Okay. Just take one off the top. Okay. Y'all, okay, let me get around this side. Want one? And you want, want one? Can you take one and pass those down? Yes. I think. But I'm, I'm just letting us know, folks, that we can share. Did you want? That we can share literature, not only on the outside, but inside. Because all of us have strengths and weaknesses in Scripture and in different things. So what we want to do is, is make sure that we encourage each other and give things out to help each other get stronger. You may take this on the Sabbath and say, maybe I need to solidify myself, then I can share it with someone else. So again, before I speak, I always share literature, not only out there, but amongst our own people. I don't know if you saw the young lady <laughs> sitting down at the desk downstairs. Her name is Hannah. She belongs to a church called the Church on the Hill, somewhere not far from here. And so I engaged her, took a Bible readings for the home, made a friend, and now she has that in her hand. We should take literature everywhere we go, everywhere possible, and seek to spread it like the leaves of autumn. I just wanted to start with that. Now let's go to John chapter 1. And I'm just going to reinforce this from the scriptures, that it's important that what we're seeking to do as we grow in Christ is to strengthen our own experience. And that's all we can share. It's, it's so important to know that. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Do you notice a word being repeated there? What word do you notice? 
several times in the same verse. We, we, we. So it's probably talking about who? Begins with a D. The disciples, the disciples. They're telling you, we have all experienced this, and that's all we're going to share. We're, in other words, we're telling you what we experienced ourselves. Very, very important. So as an elder who is seeking to uh, lead others and to assist in all that you do in the congregation, the only thing that you will mainly share is what you have experienced. Very important to know that. That's what you experienced. I was about to speak in Texas back in March, and I remember I was about to get up. And as I was about to get up, this text came to my mind almost like a pin of fire on my brain. And as I was about to stand up, the Lord impressed on my mind, Shelbert, this sermon's going to be two halves. First half, again, is what the Bible says. The second half, your own experience. Right before I got up, and I've been preaching for a long time. It's like the Lord's just driving this recently into my brain. So the first half, so when I got up at the beginning of the sermon, I told everybody, folks, this sermon is going to be two parts. What we're going to read out of the scriptures and the spirit of prophecy. And the second half, I'm going to tell you where I fit in and how it affected me. That's all this message is going to be. So that's what we do. Bible, spirit of prophecy as elders or whatever spiritual, as long as it's to the law and the testimony. And never forget sharing your testimony. So, so, so important. So important. Now, we're going to look at this a little bit more. Now, it goes on. Now, boy, we're running out of time so fast. Second part, second, second verse says, for the life was manifested. And what's that word again? We have seen it and bear what? Witness and do what? Show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested unto us. You see the personal over and over. But I love how when you watch the scriptures, if you see a word repeated over and over, God is seeking to drive home a point. But he'll many times come back and almost repeat the same scripture in, the, in that whole in that chapter to say, if you get anything from this chapter, this is the main point that I want you to get. Look at what it says in verse three. Does that sound similar? Does verse three sound similar? What does it sound similar to? The very first verse. So God, so John is saying again, he's, it's as if he's sharing with us, his brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember what you experience is what you're going to be able to share. So it's important that you have an experience and that you share it. Verse three says that which we have seen and heard declare unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. Remember, like it said in second Timothy two, two share it with other faithful men. In other words, it's saying we're sharing what we experience so that other people can have fellowship with us. You're seeking to share it with other people and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And my brothers and sisters, that's what you want to be able to say. That's what we all want to be able to say. Not that I'm just sharing it, but I can tell you because of my own experience that truly I'm convinced that our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. So important in our experience. How many of us are studying the Sabbath school lesson right now? You're studying the Sabbath school lesson? What do you get from the Sabbath school lesson about Paul? Anything in here that will relate to what you've been getting from the Sabbath school lesson? With what I just said, shared his life experience with everyone. Thank you, Gary. What else do you get? 
What about concerning the last part I said, truly our fellowship? Would you think Paul would be with someone who would stand in line and say, I'm going to stand over here with these guys, truly my fellowship? Would you think Paul would say that? Why, why would you say that? Let's ask it this way, because we don't have a lot of time. What were Paul's conditions that he was in? In prison? Was a prisoner? Persecuted. In prisoner. In chains. What else? Shipwrecked. All the rest. But what was Paul's, did you hear Paul, what was Paul praying about when he was facing those things? Praying for others. Did you read anywhere where Paul was praying about getting out of jail or praying about the shipwreck or what, what was he primarily focused on? So when, so when I look at Paul, I learn a lot from Paul from what he's primarily praying about. What is he primarily praying about? It's about what God gave him to do and his mission on earth and finishing the work that God called him to do. So my brothers and sisters, I say to us, if you as an elder want to learn a lot about your spiritual experience, look at what you're primarily praying about. Look at your list. Look at, look at it and just, just look at it for a moment. It doesn't mean, now remember I used the word primary. It's not an indictment on secondary things. But you have to ask yourself, what is it that you primarily are praying about? Now, remember I said to you, and we got about 25 minutes, so we're going to, no, it's longer than that because we, we do have to 15 after. Just look at it. And I'm going to ask you first to go now to the book of Acts. We're going to look in the book of Acts. Then we're going to go another place and finish, and I'm going to share some of my experiences as we finish. Let's go to book of Acts chapter 1. Book of Acts chapter 1. Now, we're going to look at Jesus and the disciples and see, was there anything that you could learn about them from what their primary concerns were? Now, remember, again, we're talking about as elders, our experience is the only place we're going to be able to come from. So we must make sure that our experience is truly with, his, with the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. And as I stated to you earlier, and this is where we're going primarily now. Is the Lord in my own experience taught me a lot about my own weaknesses from my prayer life. And that's where we're going to unpack in these few moments as best we can. Everybody's at Acts chapter one, right? Okay. Acts chapter one, we will begin at, um, let's just begin at verse one. We have time. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, verse 3 says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them, how long? Forty days, Forty days just making sure we're together, speaking of the things. <laughs> what was Jesus speaking of? Things pertaining to what? So Jesus' primary focus was what? The kingdom of God. Now that's his focus, right? Remember when he began his ministry, he said, repent for the, what is at hand? The kingdom of God. So when he began his ministry, that was his focus. The scripture just said until the day that he was taken up. We saw that, right? So he was consistent in his primary focus because Jesus cared about our other issues. But remember the word, we can learn a lot about a person from what they're primarily praying for. Let's keep moving now. Verse four, and being assembled together with them, 
commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for what, everybody? The promise promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, Jesus is letting us know his primary focus is the kingdom of God. He gathers with them and makes them aware that I have made available to you what's necessary for the accomplishment of what I want, what I want done. That's the Holy Spirit. Everybody sees that, right? Now, let's move on after he talks about the kingdom of God from the beginning of his ministry all the way even after he's been crucified and rose again, standing in front of them with nail prints in his hands, because we know this is right before the ascension. Amen. So he's standing there with nail prints in his hands, still with his focus on the kingdom of God. But let's see what the disciples focus is. Let's see what they're primarily asking for. Let's see what it says. When they therefore were come together, they did what everybody asked of him. So they're, they're asking him about something. He just said, kingdom of God is my focus. Let's see if they're on the same page because you can learn something about someone from what they're primarily praying for. Let's watch him. They asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom of God? What did they say? Kingdom of Israel. So his focus is what? Kingdom of God. Their focus is kingdom of Israel. That is a heavenly or earthly kingdom? Earthly kingdom. So you mean to tell me they've been with Jesus in person for three and a half years and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven and he's standing there with nail prints in his hands and they're still asking him, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Let's see what else happens. Store the kingdom of Israel. It's a question. They're still asking for it. Verse seven. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. My brothers and sisters, God is seeking to teach us by these disciples and even our own prayer life that what many times retards and even cripples the fullness of what he desires to do in our lives is we many times are focused on the kingdom of Israel or temporal things and God is focused on eternal affairs. That many times retards it. And as leaders, my brothers, even as we look at them, because remember, they were with Jesus in person for three and a half years. So I have to immediately say to myself, instead of saying, oh, that was the disciples. Can't be me. See, there's no way that happened to me. There's no way I could have been with Jesus. But how long have we been walking with Jesus? How long have we been walking with Jesus? And I promise you, at least for me, and maybe not any of you in this room, (coughs) if it happened to them, it can happen to us. So you can learn a lot about a person from what they're primarily praying for. A lot. Let's go now to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And now I'm going to start sharing with you some of my own experiences. 
and then maybe we can have some, just a little conversation at the end. Matthew chapter 7. Now, I remember, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 11. This is where I pull the cover back for you. I remember years ago, I was praying about something. We had just moved to the area. And I remember praying and praying and praying about this particular thing. And it was almost like the heaven was made out of brass because I never heard an answer from it. And at the time, I didn't get the lesson because I was like, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and shall be open. I was like, so Lord, this thing right here, I want this. And I'll admit I was fairly immature in my faith, but I had been a Christian for a pretty long time, much longer than three and a half years. And so the answer never came. Years later, now you know Matthew 7, but we'll read through it just to make sure we hear it from the word. Verse 7 says, ask and it shall be given you. Isn't that what it says? Yeah. Seek and ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you for everyone. This is what I was saying to myself, Lord, everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? I have children. I understand that. Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? And then God comes back and says, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So I'm saying, Lord, have mercy. So I know you're going to give me this that I was praying for. Pretty important to me. And I was praying and praying. Never received it. Years later, fast forward. Now turn over to Luke 11. Luke 11. Luke chapter 11. And I never, ever received it. And then one day, years later, the text here in Luke 11, verses 9 through 13, and Matthew 7 came in my head almost like a comparison text. They came up as comparisons almost. And the Lord floored me, literally took me to my face almost as it were. And so now I read and thought about this. And it says, and I say unto you, ask. And it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Just like we read in John. It's repeating the same thing in the other passage, right? In the Gospels. If a son shall ask bread of any use as a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? So, so far I'm thinking these are comparison texts. But the Lord takes me further and says, watch closely. And I look and see, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, it's exactly the same. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And when I ran into that brick wall, the Lord helped me to realize something. Shelbert, your primary prayer life is about temporary things. And it's as if the Lord said to me, maybe I left Matthew blank just to see what you would fill in. See, I didn't say anything in particular with Matthew. And in my mind, I had this blank and it's like, I'm, oh, I'm filling houses and lands and, and, and Lord, I want to do this and I need to do that. And I got kids with an education and all, and I'm filling it in and filling it in. And then he switches me over to Luke and says, this is what I put in the blank. Look at what you put in the blank. See, because you can learn a lot about a person from what they're primarily praying for. 
God has told us in scriptures, the secondary issues, don't misunderstand me, the clothing, the house, the whatever we need to sustain us in this work is important to God. But if your primary concern in your prayer life is not sincerely the Holy Spirit, you will retard your own effectiveness as well as your effectiveness amongst the saints. And anywhere else you go, anywhere else you go, I remember a few, it was last year, last year? Yes, I think it was last year. Um, we got ready to go to California and I may have this book with me. And right before we got ready to go to California, I was heading out of the house and I grabbed this book and I was continuing to pray about my prayer life. And so I grabbed this book on prayer about the life of George Mueller. And so I always tell my family on vacation, hey, we, we go on vacation, but I don't put God on vacation when we go on vacation. That's more of an opportunity to pray and fast and all the rest. So I was spending much time in prayer. And about the same time, right before we went to California, our basement flooded. Our basement actually flooded. And it had flooded over and over again, like bathroom hall down into the office area. And do you know when this bathroom flooded, it kept flooding and we kept using the vac and then we called the plumber three times. First two times he found nothing. The third time he found that it was something to do with the county. So he told me, Mr. Gaines, call DeKalb County. They can come out to your house. They can actually check it out and see. So they came out, dug up our front yard, came to the front door and said, we take full responsibility. You don't have to worry about anything. We're going to send Serve Pro in and they're gonna check out your basement and they'll cut about a foot from the floor all the way around the walls. And as, we, as they do that, they'll go around and write down a list of everything that's damaged and they're gonna present that list to us. And so what you need to do, and this is what Serpro is telling me as well as the county person who came to dig up the yard, they said what you need to do is work with them and then call the main person who's in charge of distributing the, the, the checks to you. So I did and I talked to them and I, went around with ServPro, wrote down all the list of everything that was damaged in the basement because the county said, once ServPro comes, we accept full responsibility. You don't have to worry about anything. So praise the Lord. So long story short, I called the gentleman at the county finally after I had made my list and after ServPro had made their list. And so when we were in California on vacation and we were continuing to work through this process, we were working through and he called me from California. But before that, let me step back because I want to make sure I get this main, main points in. When we were talking on the phone, he said, Mr. Gaines, I'm going to explain to you how this works. He said, you went through and made your list? I said, yes, I did. He said, this is how it works. Once ServPro comes to your house, they're the experts. Anything they say that that should be paid for, we're going to pay for it. You'll have no conversations out of us. But here's where you will get, it'll get a little touchy for you. I said, what is that? They said, if there's anything on your list that's not on ServPro's list, then I'm going to start asking you some questions. So I went to California on vacation, spending all this time in prayer. And while I was in California, the Lord dropped a bomb on me in my prayer closet. I'm going to ask you now to turn to Matthew 6. I think it's Matthew 6 I'm going to look for. Matthew 6. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 9. 
And I was praying about my prayer life and the Lord took this basement story and drive and drove home the final nail for me to help me understand what some of my weaknesses were in my prayer life. And he took this situation in my basement and floored me again about my own prayer life. Again, teaching me, you can learn a lot about a man, about yourself from what you're primarily praying for. And he took me to the scriptures. Now look, look at the scripture here. Now this is the Lord's prayer beginning at verse nine. After this manner, I'm going to read the whole thing that I'm going to share with you the point. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And when I went and read that in the scriptures, then the Holy Spirit started speaking in my mind. Let's go back to your basement and bring it on home. Serve Pro has a list. You have a list. The man at the county told you that anytime your list matches Serve Pro's list, there'll be no problems and we'll pay for it. Right? Right. And I'm saying in my prayer, yes, yes, I get it. What else? <coughs> but he also told you that anytime you present anything that's not on serve pros list, that's when you will have a problem. The Lord said, look in the scriptures. See, Jesus is kind of like serve pro. And when the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, he went down the list and taught them who it is you're talking to. Then he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the primary focus of prayer. And he impressed on my mind and drove me to my knees again that Shelbert, the reason you're having challenges in your prayer life, because see, Jesus gave him a list. He's like serve pro. When you come to me in prayer and your list doesn't match serve pro's list, as it were, I can't pay for it. I can't pay for it. Because, see, serve pro, Jesus is like serve pro. Everything is with him and the Father has already been approved. But anything we come with, that's not primarily what God is asking us to pray about. He can't pay for it. Now, I'm going to make sure I hold some, toss something in here so we don't lose our way here. Remember it says in verse 11, see verse 11. I want to make sure everybody sees that. It says what? Give us this day our daily bread. And the Lord stressed that on my mind. Scriptures address secondary issues like eating and drinking. Those things are important. God does take care of that. But what he's telling us is, is first, if your prayers have been inverted and the primary thing on your prayer list are temporary issues, it's going to retard your experience. It really is. And that's not the last thing he told me. Go back and look at the list again. First, the list has to match First, his list, you got it. And then secondly, the order has to be right. Because many times I found myself, I got kids that need this and I have grandchildren and I want to pay off everybody I owe and all the rest and Lord, thy will be done. Do you get what I'm saying now? You get what I'm saying? Because we live in this world, amen somebody? We live in this world. We have to take care of church responsibilities and all of these various issues. And God is just saying to me, Shelbert, I, I need your list to kind of look like Jesus' list. Do, do we understand what I'm saying? And I'm speaking to you, my brothers and sisters, about your prayer life. We, because I looked at the list as I spent much time fasting and praying. What do I speak to them about in an hour? We can't go through the elder's handbook. And the more I prayed, the more the Lord took me back. 
that which you have seen and heard and handled. See, I didn't see anything on the list anywhere about anybody's prayer. I saw the Bible studies, witnessing, leadership, conflict resolution, all these things. And the Lord brought me back here and said, really, Elders 101 is your prayer life, my brothers and sisters. That's Elders 101. Because if we pull out that book and start with all of the techniques and all of the visitation, those things are important. People should never be minimized. But if we don't get it right in the prayer closet, it's going to hinder everything else we attempt to do. An elder must be a person that has an effective, what word did I say? Effective prayer life. Because I'm again going to pull back the curtain for you and say, have you ever, and I have, so I'm telling you first, gone through periods in your life where you were praying about things and you were possibly not getting answers for a long period of time. And then you started almost getting discouraged and wanting to say, Lord, is there something wrong here? Uh, you said you would ask and seek and knock, but you know, I'm living, so I know you're doing that, but why won't you answer my prayers? Any, any witnesses in the room? So what I'm trying to tell you, my brothers and sisters, God wants us to align our hearts with him by his grace so that we won't be in this area of being discouraged because we're praying primarily for what he has put in a secondary place. Anybody ever heard of prayer conferences? Yes. You ever heard of all night prayer meetings? Yes. What I'm what kind of just kind of sticks in my craw, especially as I've been praying about my prayer life is we pray all night long and we have prayer conferences and all these wonderful things. But our church has been here over 100 years since the church was established in 1863. Is that accurate? And so I'm praying, Lord, what in the world's wrong? <coughs> We're praying all night and having 40 days of prayer and 10 days of, and pray from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And the Lord just start dropping these bombs in my head. First of all, first of all, there's no need of praying all night if you're not going to do anything in the daytime. No need of staying all night. You might as well go to bed because God gives his power primarily for witnessing. And if we're spending the whole night praying about things that are not primarily what God gives power for, we're wasting our times. My brothers and sisters, we must make sure like never before that we as individuals go to the scriptures and make sure that we're examining our prayer lives to make sure that we're not asking amiss that we might consume it upon our lusts. I'm telling you, as a first-generation Seventh-day Adventist, I've always wondered, why? I mean, I've been here in prayer meetings everywhere. I was invited to Texas in March, speak at a prayer conference the whole weekend. We better make sure we're getting our aim right, and the aim comes from the Scriptures. So God didn't just impress these things on my mind. He took me to the Word every time, to the Word every time. This is where you make sure that even your prayers are as they should be. And so I encourage you, we're going to, in these last few minutes, we're going to go now to Luke chapter 24. And I'm going to share with you a few points. And maybe you will use one of these index cards for something that we will cover here. I said Luke 24, right? Now, what we're going to look at is we started out looking at the disciples, right? We started out looking at them in Acts 1. 
how they were off track. Remember, Luke wrote the book of Acts, but he also did the former treaties, which is the book of Luke. We know that, right? Yeah. So we're going to look at just a little bit of their background and see where they were and what caused them to be where they were. And primarily, there's the word again, primarily what did Jesus use to get them back on track? And what can we pull from it to help us in our own experiences? We're going to Luke chapter 24. Did you write? Luke is, he wrote both, there were originally one book. Mm. Luke was his witness and Acts was what happened mm. afterwards. Yeah. Thank you. Excellent point. <laughs> Let's go now. Luke 24. Luke 24. Now, verse 1 says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Now, I'm asking you, my brothers and sisters, what were they preparing to do? Anoint them. Now, let me ask you, based on Scripture, is that what they should have been bringing? Yes, no? Was, now, they were coming to anoint who, a, a, a living person or a dead? Well, what were they? They were coming to anoint a dead person. So, even though they meant well, based on the scriptures, that's not what they were supposed to be doing. Is that, is that accurate? So, the scriptures is what helps us. They meant well. The ladies were far ahead of us. So, I say amen, sisters. But we want to make sure that we let the scriptures, that's how we investigate whatever we're reading. It wasn't time to bring spices because Jesus had already told them what would be happening, right? So they meant well. Praise God that they meant well. Verse 2, found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, right? And they entered in and they found, what does it say? Found, what's the next word? Not, right? Not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were, what everybody? Perplexed or what perplexed? Greatly. So let me ask you, my brothers and sisters, now, and always put yourself in the story. Why would they be greatly perplexed? Because they didn't see him. They expected to see the body. They expected to see him. Very good point. What else? <coughs> what? what Christ had told them. Say it again. They hadn't picked up what Christ had told them. Bingo. And all the other things you said. Yeah. So sometimes in our lives we're perplexed because we haven't, say it again, picked Picked up on Christ tells us. Absolutely. Thank you. And where does he tell us that? In the scriptures. So we find ourselves out of place and sometimes perplexed because we got away from the scriptures. Let's keep going now. And the next verse says, as, and as they were what? Now, did I skip? Okay. We were, so we read four, right? And they, the, Middle of four. Thank you very much. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Now, I want you all to help me here. Help me here. Why is it that in some of the oddest situations such as this, Jesus is going on doing whatever he's supposed to do. They're out of place. But there's two angels still there. Why do you think that is? Why do you think two angels are still there? Get him back on track. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Th Sister, I didn't get your first name. Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi. Yes. Thank you. Gary and Chi-Chi, that is the point. And it is so encouraging to me yes. when I see that. Because God is saying, I know I told him. And I told him. And I told him. And I told him. But you two angels stay around. Yes. Amen, somebody. Amen, Amen somebody. Shows us how much he loves us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so even here as we deal with our issues, 
God has always got somebody somewhere saying, I love them. I'm not, I'm not giving up on them. I'm committed to them. So you two angels stay by because they're going to be looking for me and I'm going to be gone, but I'm not giving up on them. Amen, somebody. Now let's go now. It says, and stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living amongst the dead? Why seek ye the living? He is not here, but is risen. What's the next word? Remember. Remember. I have a sermon I preach called Remember His Words. Remember His Words. And so God is so kind. He says, they're out of place. But remember His words. Remember His words. Remember how He spake unto you. Now that actually comes later. But He is not here, but is risen. Remember how He spake. So that's talking about His words. Spake unto you when He was yet in Galilee. So it's telling you, He told you this long before this happened. Amen. He told you long before it was going to happen. And that's what God does for us. He tells us long before it's going to happen, if we pay attention to what he says. Verse 7, not only says, remember what he said, what happens in 7? Somebody help me. Repeated exactly what he said. So even the angels use what he said, not just remember what he said, but let me tell you exactly what he said. Amen, somebody. Exactly what he told you. Saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day do what? And what does verse 8 say? And they what? Remembered his words. Amen. They remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Verse 10 says, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other the women and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles and their words. What did, what did it seem like everybody? Seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. After Jesus had said them over and over and over and over and over, they still didn't believe it. Seemed like idle tales, they're making up stuff. And goes on and it says, then arose who? And ran unto the sepulcher. And stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was coming to pass. Was Peter kind of like one of the leaders? He was a disciple, right? So how does Peter look in there and say, he's gone. He told me he was going to suffer, rise again and all the rest. But he looks in there after all that and says, wonder what in the world is going on around here? Have mercy. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And goes on and it says, now uh, let's see. Okay, verse 13 now, right? And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, right? And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, who shows up? Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And I have to say, thank you, Jesus, again, because Jesus will leave the angels behind. But Jesus is going to show up too. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus is not going to leave the task of making sure that we get to heaven to the angels. I was just thinking earlier when Jesus returns for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Kings generally 
when you see it on TV or wherever, now I've never been around a king, but at least what I've seen on TV, they generally sit on the throne and have people ushered in. Amen. Our king comes to get us. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Our king comes to get us himself. He's not sending anybody for us, not even angels, even though they will attend him. Okay, let's move on now. Um, so Jesus himself drew near. I, I just, I just love the Bible. Y'all have to pray for me. He drew near. He didn't just come around and watch from across the street. He drew near. Jesus always draws near when we get confused, but he wants to be near all the time. But he never, he doesn't forsake you when you get confused or afraid or all the rest. He draws near and went with them. Thank you, Jesus. Went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, watch how Jesus does this. He said unto them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? He's helping us understand how valuable our communication is, what words we're using, or what word we're using. Do we see it? What are, you, what are you talking about? He's asking them to search internally. How is it that you're communicating with my word available and what I already told you way back in Galilee, but the last part says, and are what? Sad. So let's investigate why you're sad. And my brothers and sisters, God is telling us here that whenever you have one of those times, check out your communications. See what your words are. See, are you rehearsing scripture or are you rehearsing feelings and stuff that you see happening around? Check out your communications because if the result is that you're sad, a problem is going on with the communication. That's what he's telling them. Let's go on now. And, and the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, <coughs> excuse me, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, what things? I just love Jesus. I just, what things? What are you talking about? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. What he's giving them is an opportunity to testify. So, so far, they're doing okay. Would you say what they've said so far? But keep listening, keep listening, so, and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Everybody say, okay, so far, we check off. They're doing okay, but keep hanging on now, <laughs> right there. But that shuts the whole thing down. You mean all that good stuff y'all said? How can you bring butt after that? But they threw butt in. Anybody in the room? I'm testifying first. You ever said, testified a whole lot of wonderful things God did and then you put a butt on it? Anybody? Remember, we, we but we trusted. It, does this look familiar? But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. That was their primary. See, they had taken the primary that they rehearsed first and moved it into a secondary place. Him, all that suffering, all of that other wonderful stuff, and trusted all of But see, what we really had our minds set on primarily is him overthrowing the Romans and putting us in charge. What we want totally outweighs everything he said in his word. 
my brothers and sisters, these are the disciples with Christ all the time. We stand in this room or sit in this room as elders and remember they were right there with Jesus and God has brought us here to take our prayer lives, prayer lives and reprioritize them so that we're not rehearsing all of these things about the kingdom of God and we're telling the people, but we want him to set up an earthly kingdom in Atlanta or in Tennessee or wherever. That's what God brought us here for. Because you can learn a lot about a person from what they're primarily praying for. What it says. But we trusted that it, it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And they didn't stop there. They started mixing the things together. And they say what? And beside all of this, what else do they say? Today is the third day since these things were done. They're starting to confuse me now. He's already, they, they don't know where he is. He's already risen. And they're saying, wait a minute. He said he was a suffered, and, but yet we trusted he had been redeemed Israel. And, and it's the third day because we heard, you know, something about him supposed to rise. The third. It starts to sound a little bit confusing here to me. And does it to you? What they're saying. They're like, wait a minute. It's the third day since all these things were done. And not only that, beside all that, yea, and certain women also of our company, blame it on the women, Adam, yea, and the certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. So what's the problem with that if that's what he already told them? Did you see the point? Did you say something, sister? No, Go ahead. Just wandering in my head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that's what he told them, and they're saying, "Wait a minute." The ladies told us that he he was alive. So we, I just start getting confused when I read it because I'm like, they they really confuse me. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it, even though it, so as the women said. But him they saw not. Then he said unto them, and we'll finish with this, and I'm going to drive home a point real quick. He said unto them, watch what Jesus does. He says, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He's telling them, you got to make sure that you're solid in the scriptures. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And then he says, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? He already told you that. And how does Christ help them? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. My brothers and sisters, I want to share with you something from, I think it was verse, what is it, verse 8 that says they remembered his words. These are some little good things to have. And you know why they are? I just recommend to you, you may already have a plan far better than I have. Retention goes up to about 70% when you write something down. We have all of this technology and in some ways it can cripple us. So I recommend to you, my brothers and sisters, Write down a scripture once a day, once a week, once a month, however. Pray over it. Think on it. Meditate on it. I don't have where the quote is, but Ellen White says, much better to take one scripture and get its meaning than to peruse many scriptures with no sufficient meaning coming from it. My brothers and sisters, we need to remember his words again so that we stay on track and get deep meaning per text. Many times we're reading a whole lot of information, but not any substantive depth. Take these, write down scriptures, and remember his words. My brothers and sisters, 
Uh, let's see, what do I have? About two, two minutes. I'm going to share a closing story with, with you as we talk about the Holy Spirit. Years ago, my wife and I used to drive to Texas when I really wasn't thinking clearly and should have flown 938 miles, you know, when you're young and happy. And we used to drive all the time. And I remember when the Lord gave me an illustration to help me with this thing with the Holy Spirit in my life. And I'm going to the gas station and these thoughts just started coming to my mind. Sherbert, how much gas do you need? I'm like, well, what are you saying? What are you saying? These thoughts just impressing in my mind. Well, I'm driving 938 miles, so I need a full tank. Okay, okay. So if you're just going to stay in your neighborhood, how much gas do you need? Well, I could get by on, with the light on. I don't ever do that, but I could put $5 in and be fine just right around my neighborhood. And the Lord impressed on my mind. Same way with the Holy Spirit. Every day you come to me and you say you're going to go out there and work for me. And I ask you, as it were, how much gas do you need? You pray, you say you want the Holy Spirit. But what I'm telling you as well is if I'm not filling you, the tenderest but firmest rebuke I am giving you is, is when I don't fill you, you don't need that much gas for that. Not what you're currently doing. See, the disciples, as the sister said, what they actually did. If you have enough where you need a full tank going on, God will fill your tank. That's why I said no need to pray all night long if you're not going to do anything in the daytime. There's no need. And my brothers and sisters, how long has our church and all of these things been going on 20, 30 years, our lifetime praying for the Holy Spirit? Why won't God fill us? He's telling us as a people, kindly but tenderly, you don't need much gas for that. May God help us. May he help us by inspecting what we're praying for and realize truly that you can learn a lot about yourself and your own weaknesses based on what you're primarily praying for. Would someone mind closing for us in prayer? Any volunteers? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.com dot org.